read. I'm not that organized like pastor and his wife. He's got his wife reading and he's doing the talking. So, I mean, managing the computers, making Bible verse ready for him. But me, I got to do it by myself here. Yeah. Meaning that I got to move between screens. So let me just get that ready so we can jump right in. It was quite interesting as I was praying toward the end of my fast, I was really praising and just dancing. I was dancing. And then what came to my mind, don't you remember what pastor asked you to share? And I said, oh, yes. And just like that, I said, oh, yes, I remember. And I said, well, Father God, give me a word. And then right after that, this Bible verse came to my mind in Revelation 2, 14. Very simple. It says this, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have some people there who are clinging to the teaching of Balaam. Who taught Balak to set a trap and a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to entice them to eat food that has been sacrificed to idol and to practice, he went on. Basically, basically what this Bible scripture, this Bible verse says, they are people, our enemies that are enticing you and me to sin. So let's go into the context so we have a better understanding because there's so much I'm not going to be reading, but I'll take it for a couple of verses so you have a better understanding what it is reading. So when we go to Numbers 22, and let me just, basically the people of Israel, they were blessed, protected by God. All other nations around them fear. So wow, what's going to happen to us? So in this particular situation that takes us now to number 22, we look at, uh, uh, we go from verse one to six, and I will be jumping so that we don't read the whole thing, but just kind of give you an idea. So verse 20, chapter 22 from verse one, it says, then the Israelites traveled to the plain of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. Now, Balak, who was a king in a particular area, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel has done to the Amorite and Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this hold is going to leak up everything around us as an ox leaks up the grass of the field. So Barak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Petor near the Ephrates River in the native land. And then he went on to tell us what he did. So basically, because it's a long story, because of the fear, Balak said, you know what? Let's call someone that will come to curse the people of God. That whole story, that's really the story here. Because when you look at the, 
reversed. Let's see. Uh, five, six, let me take. It says this, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people. See? Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. Hear this. He's calling Balaam and say, come and curse these people so that I will be able to defeat them. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. Isn't that interesting? Come and curse the people so that I'll be able to defeat them. So when we look at the, in uh, we go back to Revelations. We go back to Revelation 2.14. And this is just a reminder. It says, Revelation 2.14, Nevertheless, I have few things against you. You have some people there who are clinging to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to set a trap. And a stumbling block—I mean, stumbling block—before the sons of Israel. Basically, what it says here: they are people. The enemy is setting tra traps that will become a stumbling block in your life, in my life. Now, when you take that in the story of uh, Balak calling Balaam, it clears. It says this because God has blessed his people here. Balak said, you know, I'm not going to be able to defeat them. Bring, come here, come here, curse them so that I will be able to defeat them. And so when we continue here, when you get the whole story, because it's long and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, basically, Balak sent with a lot of things that should be, were to be given to Balaam so that Balaam would come and curse the people of God. God told Balaam, you are not going to do that. He said again, you are not going to curse my people because they are blessed. Hear me. You are not going to curse my people because they are blessed. But so what did Balaam did? Now this takes us to Revelations. Balaam, do you know what he told Balak? Because God does not want me to curse his people. You know what? Let me share something with you. Let me share some tricks. Let me give you strategies. Let's talk in our uh, everyday language. Let me share some strategies with you. Let me share some tricks with you. You know what? If you can entice them to sin, if you can pull them into sinning, if you can push them into sinning, 
you know what? Once they fall into that, God's covering will no longer be there. It will be easy for you to defeat them. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Basically, what the enemy says, no, 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 no. Balaam's telling Balak, you're not going to be able to do anything. But you know what? If you can entice them to sin, if you can push them, if you can set traps, traps so that they will fall into sin, it will be easy to defeat them. Is that rings the bell? No, but to me, oh yes, I can tell you that. And the numbers of times. So basically, the whole story, it's around this year. God's blessed his people. God protects his people. He covers them. The enemy say, what am I going to do to enter? What am I going to do to defeat all, to curse them? What do I need to do? This is when Balaam steps in and say, well, you know what? If you can entice them to sin, God's covering will no longer be there. And it will be, it will be easy to defeat them. So if we go and again, uh, uh, if you, we go to, let's see, and again, we find the very same chapter, uh, chapter number 20, chapter 22, when you go to verse, let's see, 25. This, while Israel was staying in Shittim, they began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women who invited them to the sacrifices to their God. The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these other gods. So basically that strategy works. If you can set, set traps, if you can pull them into. So basically this is what they did. So we got a better idea of the strategies. Now, let me take you to some other examples here. And that we'll be able to apply that in our lives. Now, we'll be able to understand and maybe identify the things in our lives. I will take you to a couple stories. And it only shows what the enemy does. It, only, it will only show what the enemy does, one. It will only show also what sins, the consequences of sins in our lives. One thing that we need to understand here, every time we are walking in sins, every time we are walking in disobedience, God covering could be removed. It could step away, away from you. Say, hey, you are left alone. So let me take you to a couple of stories. So this will not be my personal story. Let me take you to a, a couple of Bible stories here so we can look at those together. At least it will give us a better idea. When we look at um, Judges number three, uh, Judges chapter three, number uh, verse seven, I'm going to read a couple here and there. The whole idea is just to show you how often the people of Israel sinned and God's covering, God's protection was no longer there. He was not fighting for them anymore. Judges 3, verse 7. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the law. 
they forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherah. When you go to verse number 15 in the very same chapter, but when the children of Israel cry out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehu, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Anglon, king of Moab. The whole idea here is to understand that when the people of God sinned, God was no longer with them. The enemy was able to come and dominate. Let's jump to another story. I'll use just three different stories here, just to give us an idea. And again, when we go to Judges 4, um, verse 4, and again, when Ehu was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And again, every time the walk in disobedience, it seems. The consequences here now, when we go to chapter 10, 6, verse 6, then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Asherah, the gods of Syria, the god of Sidon, the god of Moab, the god of the people, the Ammon, and, 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 and what it says, they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. And every single time they did this, you will notice that in just about in the book of Judges, the enemy will come and dominate and suppress them. And that's the main theme in the book of uh, Judges. Disobedience, God covering is no longer there, the enemy come to suppress, to dominate. And you will see that in the book of Judges, there was so much poverty, distress. They sin. God covering was no longer there. He sold them. He let the enemy come and dominate. Let me also take you to another story, uh, two more, so that uh, we can uh, look into what do we do? Yes, once we identify this issue in our life. There is also another story. And let's go into the first book of Samuel. And I'll go to chapter two. I'm going to be jumping here and there. The whole idea so is that so that we understand what happened here. And this also applies to God's servants. Not just to the people out there, God's servants. So when we look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, going from, uh, let's say, verse 27 to 36. I'm going to read a couple here and there. Okay. Then a man of God came to Elan. Elan was actually one of the high priests during that time. Context, just put in the context. His sons were serving the Lord. But and then they become so corrupted, negligent. They start doing all kinds of stuff. We're talking about God's servants. And Eli, the father, closed his eyes. He was not calling and saying, you know, guys, what you're doing are not right. No. And this is what the story is telling us here. So, so this man came and said, Thou said the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, 
to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me. Basically, guys, didn't I call you to serve me? I chose you. And when we look at here, here where we are, you know, sometimes we think that it is just a simple coincidence that we are all together. No, it's not. It is not. I can tell you it is not just a simple coincidence. And some of us, just like that was the case for me, well, you know what? God has called me so that God will bless me. Good job, good money, good family so I can enjoy. It took me time. Let me tell you this. It took me time to realize the calling. Let me, let me put it this way here. When I look at the people of Israel going from Abraham, Moses, Joshua, and we jump to the New Testament, because there are so many of them. We jump to the New Testament during the time of Jesus and the apostle. They are people within the people that were business people, doctors, teachers, you name it. But they are people that were selected to serve the Lord, only to serve the Lord. We talk about the apostle, the story of uh, Stephen, Philips. So when you look at the community, the people, you ask yourself, where do I fit? Am I like anybody else going by my business, enjoying my life? Or have I been called to serve the Lord? Because if you have been called to serve the Lord, then you know what? It's time that we put on our boots and say, you know what? Let me take this calling here seriously. And, and, and I'm really glad, um, and I'm, going, I'm not going to name them here, but, and I'm really glad that God connected me with them again. Not that we were disconnected, we were still, um, and they are not here, so, and I'm not going to call them, but they live in some villages somewhere in Canada. Just to see the passion of God, the love for God. You know, I read about Moses, David, Paul, and all that. Yes, in the Bible. But to see a real person close to me that have passion, everything they talk about, it's about God. And I'm like, this is like the Bible so close to me. These are like the David, the, the, the Paul close to me. There are not too many people that I know that have got such passion. And I, and I, they will speak to me, I will listen. I said, they will speak to me and I will listen because I have identified what God has put in them. There are not so many people that I know that has got the passion for Lord, for the Lord. Not too many people. So that being with them talking, it allowed me to identify again the calling and for me to take that calling seriously. So I changed from someone that wanted to serve the Lord because of all the blessing that comes with to becoming a person that wants to be an instrument, a tool, a weapon in God's hands. Let me go over this one more time. He changed the way um, I look at the relationship with God. Because from the time I understood that I was not just called just for the blessings, no? But I understand now what I've been called for. We need to serve to be an instrument, a tool and a weapons God's hands. 
let me continue. So here we're talking about God's people, God's servants. They have been called to perform a specific function within God's um, ministry. So I'll continue. Verse 29, and we are still in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29. And say, Why did you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat? with the best of all the offering of Israel, my people. Basically, why are you disobeying what I've called you to do? To serve the Lord. People bring the sacrifices. No. Instead of you offering them, look what you're doing. Let's continue. Verse 30. Therefore, this is verse 30. Therefore, the law of Israel says, I say indeed that your house and the house of your father will walk before me forever. Meaning that because of the calling first, they'll be walking, but because of the disobedience, we continue. But now the law says, far be it from me. Yes, I called you to serve me, but because of your disobedience, because of the disobedience, now let's continue. But now the law says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And again, clearly, sin, the consequences of sin, God, because of that, in this particular situation, God could even remove the calling upon our life. Basically, reject us from his ministry, his calling. Let's continue so we can have a better understanding what happened here. Now, because of the sin in that country during that time, the people went to fight against the Philistines. And last, there we jump to, and again, Chapter, uh, first book of Samuel. Let's go to chapter four. It will give you an idea now because of sins in the country, within the people, and what happened here. Uh, the introduction is here. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistine and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistine encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistine put themselves in battle area, arrays against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated. God's people were defeated. Now, they say, well, because we did not bring God's presence, the Ark of Covenant, let's jump to verse 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Law, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Elah, Ophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, the men of God came to tell Eli, because you dishonor me, I will dishonor you. Because of sins, in your family. So the same time we have got these two, 
bringing the covenant of God, thinking that, oh, God's presence will change things around here. Basically, they have been living in sins. And they believe that well, if we bring God's presence here, things will change. So we jump to verse 5. And when the ark of the covenant of the law came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. And now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sounds of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrew mean? Let's jump to verse 10. So they brought the covenant, hoping to see changes. Now, when we jump to, we jump to chapter 2, verse 10, it says, So the Philistine fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and the fell of Israel there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Even though God's Ark of Covenant was in the midst of them, they were defeated. We go back to what the men of God told Eli, because of sins in your house, because of sins in the country, we are seeing the consequences of Basically, the consequences of sins could bring defeat, sickness, disease, distress. Let's go to another story. And again, it will give us a clear idea of what went on here. This is in the book of Joshua 7. Uh, it's a quite an interesting story here. Um, when God told Joshua, it, it's quite interesting. He told him to attack Jericho. He gave him specific strategies. Interesting. He said, okay, this is what you are going to do. You will go around Jericho seven times. Don't say anything until the seventh time on the seven days, and then you shout. So they went around the first day. Anyway, what I'm trying to say here is God gave Joshua specific strategies how to fight and to bring down Jericho. And we know what happened. They went around seven times. They went around for the first six days, once a day. And then on the seventh day, they went around seven times. And then at the end, they shout. The walls came down. It shows that God was fighting for them because the only thing they did, they shout. That's all. The walls came down. But when it came to Jericho, not to Ahai, the people said, oh, you know what? They went, it spied us the location, the people said, you know what? We don't need to send everybody. It's a small city. Let's choose a couple men to go there. We will defeat them. Now, relying on their own strength, Jericho, God gave Joshua specific strategies. Here, now, so that takes us into the story, uh, into the uh, chapter seven. Okay, this is what it says. But the children of Israel, this is verse one, but the children of Israel 
committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took off the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burnt against the children of Israel. Because of sins, because of what he did, the anger of the Lord burnt against Israel. And again, sin in the camps, in our lives, sins in our family, what it could bring in our lives, what it could bring in the country, what it could bring in the family. And so what happened here? Great defeat. One person sins, look at the consequences. The country was affected. Couple thousand people got killed. One person sins, it affected the whole country. So this is when we go to chapter, to verse two. It says, and again, it kind of explained how Joshua did, I mean, sending them to go and, and fight. But the whole story here is because of sins in the camp, God's anger burnt against the people of Israel. Let's go to another story. This will be the last one. And again, it's because of sins in the camp and what it does. When we go to the book of, uh, uh, second book of Samuel, chapter 21. This is also an interesting story. Why I say it is interesting, um, David was a man of God, a man according to God's heart. David was speaking to God. David was hearing from God. But let's go to this interesting story. Uh, second, the second book of Samuel, chapter 21, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. Hey, you know what I was asking? Okay, hang on. This is not really right. David is a man according to God's heart. There were prophets also during that time. Why God never said, hey, hey, guys, the famine is coming. Get ready. None of that. No. You could imagine a famine affecting the whole country. You know how many people could die? I mean, in this case, died because of lack of food, lack of rain. Okay, the first week, well, maybe we don't, we can't tell what it is. After six months, after a year, you kind of say, hmm, no, it went on for three years. It is then David said, hmm, something is not right. Something is, it is not right. So meaning that when we look at these stories here is we could be living the consequences of sins. We could be living a curse in our life. We got so used to it, it's normal. And we don't want to discuss about it. I remember one time we were sitting with family members, God's servant. And I said, it's quite interesting. There is a specific sickness in the family. Here we are praying. How come we never identify the cause? Why we never pray about it? Everybody was quiet. You got a picture? Basically, here is a situation. We are living that situation. We are going to day in, day out. But never. We have said, oh God, what is this? Something is not right. 
But you know what? The enemy would help us with all kinds of excuses. All kinds of excuses. I know this person, talking about this little story here again, and this person here, God's servants. She's well off, she's well off because she's got properties here and there. You look at the children. First one lost his mind. I'm not going to say uh, the sex of uh, the gender of these because you might know them. First one lost his mind. Okay, I can understand. Second one. Second one. It's in and out of prison. The third one. He's got seven kids with about four or five women, different women. The parents, single parent, God's servant, he or she one time say, you know what? I cannot ask the church to pray. I'm the pastor. No, I cannot ask them to pray about this situation. I'm the pastor. So basically, it is there. We see it, we touch it, we live it. We can smell it, we can feel it. But we do not want to admit that there is a problem. So, and again, we are within this context of David's story. God's servant. But God never comes to him and says, hey, David, you know what? It's coming. David said, what is coming? No. But he went on for three years. Look at the consequences of that. Three years. Family. How many people were affected? Until, let's go now back to the story. It says, David. And again, second book of Samuel. Chapter 21, verse 1, just in case people are taking notes. Me, I'm a note taker. I can tell you, every single, every single time preaching takes place here, I take my notes, go over. Until today, I can tell you, I'm still on, I can tell you, oh yes, I'm still reading over the notes from last, last uh, Sunday, going over. Yes, that is just the way I learn. Until I can interiorize that. Some of you memorize all that. Me, I cannot. I got my book. I take my notes. That is just man. That is just me. And I go over. I go over. I go over. Sometimes it takes me time to pray over saying, God, what are you trying to tell me here? What is it? That is just my style. I got my book. In fact, it's almost like I got buy another one. Okay, so what I was saying. God never revealed to David until David seek the Lord. They say, God, what is this? So it says, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered, it is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house because he killed the Gabonite. Because he killed, now the people are suffering the consequences. So we went from the revelations here where the enemy is trapping you and me so that we can fall into sins. From the time we fall into sins, God's protection is no longer there or God's anger burned against us. That's where we're going from. And, and again, this is also show us what sin could bring. In the book of Joshua, Achan, one person sins. We see, I think, 3,000 people. 
killed. What are the traps? How is the enemy? What are the strategies used by the enemy in our lives so that we can fall into sin, so that God's covering, covering will no longer be there? What are they? Let me go to a couple of situations here. You will notice that in certain families or certain situations, certain countries or community, there is something that is so common. Poverty, unemployment, sickness, diseases. But we never took the time. Say, God, what is this here? Well, if it's my neighbor's house, it's easy. But let's look into our own. Just this morning, I was praying. I said, God, based on this, because every time I, every time God put something in my heart to share, I always say, God, it's first me, 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 not, not A and B and C, me first. And I said, like, God, reveal to me. Open my eyes so I can see. Is there anything in my family that is a consequence of sins? Oh, is there anywhere where we have fallen under the enemy's trap? or snares, and your protection is no longer there. The very same way I was praying to the Lord, I said, God, remind me of things that you did in my life, and I never thank you for that. I want to see great things, remind. And God took me 20, 30 years ago, showing me things, and I'm, wow, and I'm just saying, thank you. But today was a like, God, show me what is it. I could see things here, and I said, wow, and I started repenting. I said, repenting. There is a person that said one day this, he said, and I remember this, he said, it is easy to live the consequences of sins in our life. It is very difficult to retrace the origin or the cause. Let me put it this way here again. It's easy to live the consequences, to live under a curse, but it's very difficult to identify what is the cause of it. Oh, we are so quiet here. Am I muted or can you still hear me? Yes, you can. Bless you. Pastor, is that okay if we can just throw in a, a praise and worship song for now, please? Just for like five minutes. Is it, is it okay? Adriana, we're, okay? we're quiet because we're hearing you. Go ahead. But I'm asking, is it okay? Oh, thank you, uh, my sister Queen says loud and clear. Uh, is it okay if we can throw in a, um, a, a, a prison? Is it okay, I'm asking, if you yeah, okay, yeah. prison worship, please, just for five minutes, yes. Okay. So can we group, please. Thank you. Okay, you guys, you don't mind if, I, if I'm dancing, but I'll, I'll turn off my camera so that I can dance without you seeing me because my dance is not really that. I cannot dance like Anna, so. Can't go back to the beginning. Can't control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle Is the 
Will you leave me here again? 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. We needed that, yes. All right, so we were talking about uh, the enemy traps, snares in our lives so that God covering will be removed, God protection, so that we can fall into defeat, sickness, disease, disobedience, and then come the consequences of uh, all that in our lives. So let's take that to personal level, families, so we can identify some of the things. Uh, yes, God can reveal and God will show reveal because God knows everything. But we have to be willing to admit, to act that something is not right. You could see certain family is divorce after divorces, after, after. Sickness, disease, prison. It's in and out. Well, one member, yes. But you see this, it's repeated. One, two, three, four, five, six members of the very same family. So there are specific situations that could be specific to a family. Cannot have children, yes. I can understand the first, the second. But when you've got three sisters, or it's miscarriage after miscarriage, you kind of ask yourself, what is this? Why? But you know what? The enemy would have to you and me with all kinds of excuses, though, so that we will not admit that there is a problem. The enemy would have to you and me with all kinds of explanation. Let me tell you a true story that I would like to end this with. Um, it's good to know the family. History, it's good to know. Anyway, I'll make a long story short. The last time I did drink and get drunk, I was at the age of between seven and eight years old. Seven and eight. We had, it was actually waiting at home. What I did, uh, I was in charge of cleaning the party room. So I will take all the bottles, clean all that. I have my own bottle in the back room. That was back in Congo, uh, DRC. Uh, Congo in Central Africa. So I had my own bottle in the back room and I take all these empty ones and I fill in my own. You can imagine what comes out of the party room, anything and everything. Once my bottle was full, I remember doing this and then that was it. I was told a few days later that I was about to die. And since then I never touched, but that's not the whole story. One time I was, I went to a deliverance conference. I was walking and I heard this. Do you know what? I never allow you to drink. Look into your family stories. When I look at the family story, where my father came from, it's all about alcohol and women. Let me, let me say this. It's all about alcohol and women. So usually two or three of them here and there. Alcohol, pff, everybody there. That's interesting. So those two things, once I identify, I try to stay away from women. One, yes. But multiples, no. So that's one. Two, alcohol, nope. Because of the history, I was predisposed. And I saw how it killed people in family on the side of my father. And I saw the fact that he loved many women and have kids all of them here and there, the kind of problem he brought into the family. But if I did not know that, I would have known how to pray and how to avoid 
falling under the very same thing. What I'm trying to see, we can identify what is common. These are the things that people don't want to talk about. Oh my, come on, we want to be, be like, you know, we all, everything is so fine. No, these are true stories. And we see that poverty, prostitution. Everybody can have kids, but not you. Yes, in the case of Anna in the book of uh, Samuel, Anna closed, no, God closed Anna's womb. Yes. But in your case, you want to ask yourself, you want to ask God, why not? Why me? What is it? Am I Anna? Am I making sense? So basically, some of the consequences is because of sins. The enemy knowing what he can accomplish once God's covering is removed. Once God's covering is removed, we could see defeat, hardships, poverty, and all these consequences. Now, that's all fine. What do we do? We need to identify. Let's be honest for ourselves. If we are living in sin, you know what? We repent. We confess. Sometimes it takes time for God to reveal. David, three years. In the book of Joshua, Joshua speaking to God. Joshua prayed, cried to the Lord, and God revealed until he was able to retrace back to Achan. And we know what happened to Achan. Those Bible verses that we are giving, that we are sharing here, so that we can go back and read and ask God, what is it in my family? What is it in my life? When God reveals something like that to me about somebody, it's not so that I can make fun of us. Oh, yeah, you know, you. No, 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 no. When God revealed it to me so I can pray for that person. So, one, we identify, we confess or repent, we plead the blood of the Lamb. And sometimes it required to go back to the Lord. God reveal what is it? Why? David did the same thing. In the book of Joshua, Joshua and the elders did the same thing. But let me tell you this, the enemy will help you. So once we close, we finish, you won't even think about it. You go on by your business. Still leave the consequences of sins, of these curses in our lives in your life, in our lives. So that's what I had for today. And thank you for the opportunity. Like I said, myself, I pray about it today. And God revealed more things. And thank you for the time. Thank you for the time, for taking the time to listen. We are all together in this year. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Praise God, Adriana. Adriana, you see, I was not prepared for it to end like that. I could actually listen to you for another half an hour to an hour. No kidding. So that's why I wasn't even um, aware that the button was mute. Yeah, that was very powerful, Adriana. And yeah, it taught me a lot. Uh, yeah, that was uh, a word from God for sure. I should just give the, the rest of the service. Adriana, the people don't need to hear me today. You know, they need to hear you. I don't know why you're handing it over to me. Uh, we call that protocol. 
Thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise God for blessing us, Adriana. Yeah, that's a powerful word. And that's a word that we will um, all take um, before the Lord to look deeper in ourselves. And also to, um, in some cases, we might even need help to process uh, the depth of the things that need to be unraveled in our past so that God can bring um, restoration and healing and deliverance and break off all of those things that sometimes even come down like Adrian is, is talking about generationally. That's something that we sometimes need to pray with others about and not to ignore and live under this curse while we're now in newness in Christ. So thank you, Adriana. Praise the Lord. We give God praise and thanks. And um, yeah, we're going to have to, we, we need guys like uh, Adriana to, that's why I'm encouraging the people that the Lord has called and we have seen the call in, on their lives to begin now to stop um, shy away from, you know, doing what God has called you to do. Whatever the Lord has called you to do, begin to do it and stop uh, feeling like you're, um, you know, it's somebody else is supposed to do it. Yeah, we have a lot of work to do. The world needs pastors and teachers. Imagine seven plus billion people. One third, I believe, is Christian are Christians. Then we need a lot more. God needs to call up a lot more people. And are they ready? That's the big thing, you know, it's not whether or not God wants uh, us all to participate in what he's doing, it's whether or not we will say, yes, Lord, use me, and then be willing to say, okay, now that you've um, anointed me and called me, I'm going to go and begin to speak and begin to teach whatever you know. Start at the, where you are. That's all we did. did I, uh, when I started running my mouth, I did not read the Bible from back to front as yet. I probably read a few scriptures here and there. But the voice of God was so powerful to me, it compelled me to um, step out and begin to do with what I knew. And then God will increase you in wisdom and knowledge and all of what you need to go do even bigger works. Awesome. So with that said, we're uh, going to open it up for those who need prayer. And, you know, really uh, meditate on this word that Adriana has given. And then let's continue praying about those issues and bringing those issues before the Lord as this week go on. So with that, we'll just allow you know to, if you have a prayer request, just type it in the chat and uh, we'll get on with uh, praying for the issues. And, and don't be, um, sometimes we go to, you know, when we go to a, a birthday party or Christmas dinner and they lay out the food before us, you know what? We might not want to be the first one to go because it seems as if we're greedy. So we all back and we're waiting to see who will have the boldness to grab their fork or the plate and begin to shovel some of that thing on. But, you know, eventually we get on with it right eventually we get on with it and uh, so now when you're before the presence of god you know the people who are hosting these parties they don't want to pour out on you like god wants to pour out on you so don't hold back with your prayer request come before the throne of grace and then understand that you're not um you know even though the lord is speaking through us but you're you're um here and god he sees the desire in your heart and now you need to begin to articulate those things. And now we will agree with you in um, bringing these things to the Lord that God might bring, um, you know, transformation and whatever it is that you're looking for him to work for. Amen. So don't hold back in that area. 